Welcome to the What is Happening in Salt Lake podcast series, brought to you by slc.gov and the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. The purpose of the podcast series is to review topics relevant to Salt Lake-based business owners and startups, as well as to highlight success stories from other entrepreneurs. Welcome everyone to Startup SLC Podcast. Today, we will be interviewing Jorge Rojas, multidisciplinary artist, independent curator, and arts educator. And also with us, we have Sarah May, group coordinator for the Woke Words Reading and Writing Series at the YWCA. We're super excited to have you both, and I think it's going to be a great podcast. Before we jump into it, let's do a brief introduction. My name is Roberto Reichel. I'm with Salt Lake City in the Economic Development Department. My name is Taylor Knuth. I'm the Assistant Director for the Salt Lake City Arts Council. My name is Peter Collister. I'm with the Salt Lake Small Business Development Center. My name is Claudia Pons. I'm with Tuaso Business Center. I'm the project administrator. So Taylor, uh, can you kick us off and tell us a little bit about this program? Yeah, absolutely. So every year, the Salt Lake City Arts Council runs a series of grant programs we call the Salt Lake City Arts Grant Program. Most recently, we uh, launched two brand new programs called the Artist Career Empowerment Grant and the Racial Equity and Inclusion Grant. These two programs were new to our suite of programs offered through our Arts Council. And first, it was approved by a budget amendment process where Aaron Mendenhall appropriated funds and the city council approved the funds. So we were able to distribute approximately $50,000 through both of these grant programs. The Artist Career Empowerment Grant, we were able to give about $40,000 to 36 individual artists. And this program was designed to enhance or empower individual artists' career, acknowledging that artists are a critical part of our economy and we wanted to invest in them. The awards ranged from $500 to $2,000 and the projects were varied and diverse, just like our community. The other program was our Racial Equity and Inclusion Grant. This grant was specifically targeted at organizations who are based out of Salt Lake, who are engaged in efforts to create greater and more consistent programs and initiatives related to creating racial equity and inclusion within Salt Lake City. So with us today, we have Jorge Rojas, who's a recipient of the Individual Artist Grants, and Sarah May, who's the coordinator for the YWCA program. So I'm just really excited that they were able to take some time to join us, and I can't wait to hear about their projects and watch them unfold to achieve the aims of our programs. Great. So should we start with Jorge? You want to introduce yourself? And then our series since we started back up from COVID is really due to speaking about what are the impacts you have as a business or an artist from COVID? What, how has it impacted you? So we'd love to hear a little bit about you and then also dive right into what has COVID meant to you as an artist over this past year? Sure. Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, again, my name is Jorge Rojas. I'm an independent artist and curator as well as an educator. For the last six years, I've been working at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts as a director of learning and engagement, uh, where I basically work with a team of educators and oversaw all of the museum's programming, education initiatives, and community engagement and outreach. And I made a decision recently to dedicate more time and energy into my practice as a visual artist and as an independent curator. So I've kind of gone full circle. I, you know, my, my background is as an artist uh, and curator, and then I've become a museum professional, had the pleasure of working at the UMFA for the last six years, and then through COVID made the decision that I wanted to get back. So I would say that, yeah, COVID has deeply affected uh, my life and my career uh, in numerous ways. The first one is really, you know, thinking about productivity, right? As an artist, because I've always maintained an art practice, even while I was working at the museum, when you think about productivity, I think it's just been really difficult to maintain one's professional practice, and as well as monetizing it. My main focus for the last 12 years has been in performance art. So 
performance art, at, not the performing arts, but the performance performance art. So basically using my body as a medium, as a vehicle uh, to communicate ideas and concepts. And I think out of most art forms, performance art is probably the, one of the most difficult ones to monetize and to sell. So, you know, but even then, uh, my opportunities to perform were cut short or cut, you know, cut down significantly. Also, you know, with the restrictions that COVID has put on all of us, it's just made it so much more difficult to get into the studio, to make work. So thank goodness we have the internet and, you know, Zoom and different um, ways of connecting with people, but not necessarily in the ways that we're used to as artists. Yeah, Sarah, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do in your organization? Yeah. Hello, my name is Sarah May. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And it's a pleasure to be here with you all on the podcast today. Uh, so I am the group coordinator for and facilitator, one of the facilitators for the Woke Words reading and writing series for women, femmes, and non-binary persons of color uh, at the YWCA here in Utah. And I am also an artist, community organizer, and I write as well. So uh, those are elements that we use in Woke Words as well, where we not only are we having writers of color come in and talk with us, and we read their books and their poetry, novels, and all that. But we also do art activities. We do, so the Woke Words is actually going to be participating in my art exhibition. Um, I'm an artist in residence at the Bountiful Davis Art Center, and they're going to have a piece in my exhibition as well. So it's really cool to see how we, in the past couple years, we've evolved into this community program that's using multiple genres to empower our community. That's very cool. Thank you. Uh, let's go back to Jorge. So tell us about being an artist impacted by COVID. What are the resources that are out there that you have been able, you or your artist's colleagues have been able to um, take advantage of state, federal, and local resources to help you guys get through COVID? Well, I think uh, for the purpose of this call, I'd like to focus on the main funding or, or support that I've received, uh, which is from the Salt Lake City Arts Council. Uh, I recently found out that I'm a recipient of the Artist Career Empowerment Grant, which is meant to support artists. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm just right in this interesting transition between being a museum professional where I had basically, you know, health insurance and a regular paycheck and the security of, of, you know, having a job, a nine to five job into transitioning more into being a full-time artist and independent curator. So this funding uh, from the, from the Arts Council comes at a very, very good time for me um, specifically. And the, the main reason is, and I can talk a little bit about the project uh, in my application is, you know, I recently also signed with a local gallery, uh, Modern West Contemporary Art, and, you know, which is very exciting for me. It's the first time that I have gallery representation in, at this level. And it's an amazing opportunity for me. And they have also invited me to exhibit in their gallery in May. And so, you know, that's coming right up uh, in May. Is. And so, um, so as I'm looking at this, this time in my life when I'm transitioning from a regular nine to five job into becoming more of a, you know, independent business, I had to really think about how, how do I do this? How do I make this work? And so I realized that while I had this amazing opportunity to show new work in a gallery, in a commercial gallery that can actually sell my art, hopefully, if things go well, you can never really quite count on that, but that's the idea. You know, I realized that I needed, I needed help. And, and the, the types of things that I needed help for was, you know, to pay for my studio, to pay for art materials, to pay for childcare. Um, 
I have two kids, to pay for framing of art, to pay for all of those types of expenses that come up as an independent artist and as an independent business. So this funding from the Arts Council is crucial to me because it's made it possible for me to take advantage of, a, of another great opportunity, which is to have a show in this gallery. Now, the idea with commercial galleries is that, you know, they will, you know, hopefully sell your art and with time that brings in revenues to you that you can also put back into your own business. But when you're just newly signed to a gallery, it takes time and investment in order to, you know, to really take advantage of these opportunities. So super grateful to the Arts Council and Mayor Mendenhall for offering that support to me uh, because uh, it's a really tricky time in my life right now in this transition. And, and uh, it's, it's really uh, making this possible for me. Well, Jorge, is the COVID has really impacted people's ability to go out to art galleries. How have artists pivoted in order to still bring in that revenue and sell art? Well, I think... You know, every artist is different and every artist has different opportunities and different forms of support or resources. You know, I, I think one of the ways is, you know, some, some city councils and organizations have offered financial support for for artists to, to keep doing this work. But some of us have just had to get really crafty and creative, which is that's, that's how we roll, right? We're artists, we're creatives. And so I think channels like this one, like Zoom and live streaming are ways that we can do performance art. I mean, the Salt Lake City Library just presents this weekend, the, the, the annual performance art festival, it's the first time that they present it online. And they actually have the most international festival that they've ever had because of it, because they were able to have live streamed performances coming from different parts of the world, uh, different parts of the country. Um, I have a history with like, using these technologies for performance and for I actually curated an international performance festival 12 years ago that was live streamed. And so um, so I'm familiar with these technologies and I think can really you know, make use of them. But the other thing is just applying, 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 applying for grants and for financial support, both on the city, state and uh, national level. Yeah, I would just add, I think people often forget that Utah as a whole constantly ranks number one or number two for live arts participation. And in addition, per capita, we have more artists than I think we're either number two or number three for independent artists being located within our within our state. So I think it's really important to remind folks just how powerful the arts and culture industries are in our state. And it's specifically within Salt Lake as the capital city, who is known for a, a very diverse and representative public art collection, as well as individual artists such as Jorge and Sarah, who do amazing work to contribute to this economy. Um, Jorge, I was just wondering if artists have um, heard about the PPP loans and other types of grants besides the artists and the racial equality grants that are available. We've been helping lots of small businesses apply for these kind of loans and, and, and grants. Um, that's a really good question, and uh, I'll be completely honest. I'm not. I'm not able to answer for what other artists are doing. I've I've been so focused in my museum job and kind of making ends meet for my own practice. But I mean, I I, I see these op these financial support opportunities coming up. Honestly, I think that one of the biggest challenges in being an artist is that we're not always tapped into these resources and to these financial opportunities. I think that that's part of the job of, you know, of the Arts Council and the, you know, Utah Division of Arts and Museums and other organizations like UROUND is, uh, is really to helping get the word out to, to, to making us aware of these opportunities. And I'll just add, I think, you know, oftentimes some of us as artists of color are even less likely to be aware of this, of, of these types of opportunities because the marketing and the communication and the funding, the funding that, that supports that isn't always taking, you know, racial equity into account. And so, 
I guess that's the best answer I can provide for you. I I, I hope that there's many artists, there are many artists that are taking advantage of these opportunities, but I, I think that that's actually a real issue and a real challenge uh, and something that, that, that I think uh, could be improved in general. Yeah, that is a gap that we're trying to fill is getting to the Hispanic community. We've been doing a lot of Spanish uh, advertising of what's available for small businesses um, and a lot on Facebook and Spanish and things like that. But it's hard. It's hard to reach everyone. You're, you're very correct. Yeah. Well, that's great that you're doing that. And I think that also, you know, like understanding that different people get their information in different ways, right? Like some people may, may be more likely to like learn about something on the radio or, you know, or through their consulate or through any number or community centers, right? So yeah, I think that I think that I, I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing this though. Sounds great. I would like to add something here, Jorge. I think this is a really important key point that we should touch on. One of Salt Lake City Arts Council's key strategic priorities is to cultivate greater equity and social impact in the community. And I know for Mayor Mendenhall, especially in the new American Rescue Plan dollars, she plans to make every single dollar have an equity component. She said equity in every dollar. And I would like to comment that for the Artist Career Empowerment Grants, we had 68% of our recipients identify with a non-white racialized or ethnic identity, which I think really speaks to the fact that we were able to reach these communities in a way that I don't know we have been able to reach in the past. And in addition, we had a really amazing uh, geographic diversity as well. Um, we had fantastic representation from our Westside communities. And uh, I just really would like to commend the team and the evaluation team from our board from the Salt Lake City Arts Council in creating this level of equity within the distribution of dollars. Well, one, you raised a really interesting point, Jorge, on the PPP loans. I don't think that artists were necessarily thought of as being the first audience for those loans, uh, because I don't think people think of artists as businesses. And so our last uh, podcast that we did with Chris Heslop and the uh, for my office is all about PPP loans. And so if there are any artists out there who didn't take advantage of that program, loans are still available. They're forgivable. We'll include a link in the window on how to access that podcast, but reaching out to Claudia or myself, we can help anyone navigate that process. So going back to CERME and the um, racial equity and inclusion grant that you received, can you tell us, so would this program, the, the series that you guys have, have happened without it? And how did that funding either amplify it or just um, provide the base for getting this program going? And what do you hope to achieve with the program? So Woke Words is a program that was started in 2018 by uh, Neon McFall Schwartz, who is an employee at the YWCA. And I came on as a volunteer and as a facilitator, and then I became a coordinator in 2019. And so uh, something, I guess, that has that I think is key to creating any spaces for BIPOC, which is Black, Indigenous, uh, people of color, is that you're not there for the money. You're not there for any kind of like recognition. You're there because you're passionate about the space. You're passionate about the mission. And that is what everyone who's a part of this group and who helps like either facilitates um, or coordinates as myself, we are so passionate about this work. So even though, you know, we started out with limited funds, like we, we made it work where we could. And now that we have received this funding, which we are extremely grateful for, we're hoping that we can just continue to strengthen and nurture our program into something that continues to grow over time. And some of those include like paying our facilita- our core facilitators more for their time and mentorship and building more relationships with authors, writers, art- artists, community advocates and organizers just to make this community something that is still in- intimate and nurturing to the, the, our community members, but also something that will grow and become something that can stand on its own in this community. 
I would add that I would like to commend the YWCA for the work that they've been performing, not only in recent months, but really within the last several years. One of the priorities of the Racial Equity and Inclusion Grant and how we distributed the funds, we made the determination very early on that organizations that were led by Black individuals, as Sarah mentioned, Black, Indigenous, and people of color, we made the, the determination that a priority would be placed on organizations that really lived the values we're trying to promote. And YWCA really did quickly rise to the top in a very competitive pool of applicants as an organization with not only the ability to do this work in the in the future, but a proven track record of excellence with regard to this work. So just a big shout out to Sarah and the entire YWCA team. Awesome. And th- uh, thank you, Taylor. Really appreciate that. And I guess I wanted to give a shout out as well to Liz Owen stepping in as the first Black woman of color CEO of the YWCA. When she stepped in, like we, there was an increased awareness and priority for making programs like this happen. And yeah, just extremely grateful to her. And also, even though she isn't a part of Woke Words, I wanted to give a shout out to Viviana Felix as well, who is a friend of mine and a fellow graduate here from our MACL program at the Westminster College. She did work with the YWCA for her thesis. And it was kind of those things that kind of help us get to this point that we are today. So just wanted to thank those amazing people for the work that they're doing. So how did the program, if it did at all pivot? Because you said you you started before COVID. How did it change during COVID? And did you guys have any um, challenges that to keep it going? Because obviously it was super important to keep it going. So what did you guys do differently? Yeah, so obviously we met in person um, for our meetings uh, at the YJBCA. And we kind of had like a, a ritual where we would have food donated from Spice Kitchen. And we would sit and eat together. And then we'd get started with our facilitator. Uh, leading the session, talking about the books we are reading. And, but obviously with the pandemic, like that whole system went out the window. So we just got really creative and I was a part of like brainstorming and figuring out how to make this work. So we transferred over to Zoom for our, each of our meetings. And uh, just so everyone could still like get books and supplies and do activities. I, uh, as a group coordinator, I began to do curbside deliveries for each of our supplies. And that was good as well because even though we were social distance, I was still able to check in like, you know, wearing my mask, having my hand sanitizer, keeping at least six feet apart and just checking in with each of our community members because it was especially during the first few months of the pandemic while we were adjusting to this new way of life. Like it was just comforting, I think, for some of our members to know that there was someone out there who wanted to check in with them, see how they were doing. And I feel like we we're able to find solace in the books that we are reading as well, that these are women femmes and non-binary authors of color that are writing stories that are similar to ours. And and that was really, I don't know, it was it, it was inspiring and also a source of strength for us to, I don't know, to have these beautiful works that we are able to refer to. And like I think during the pandemic, there's been lots of businesses and organizations and programs that have unfortunately shut down because they couldn't survive the the changes of the pandemic. But I think like touching on what I was saying before, because we are so passionate about doing this work and being a part of this community, that that also helps like fuel our desire to keep the program alive during the pandemic. And I'm happy to say that we're about to finish our second year and go into our third year in the fall. So it's yeah, just been really wonderful to continue this space, this virtual space, and hopefully soon one day in person space. Well, question for both Sarah and Jorge. 
what's next for your organization? You got this grant, um, you have some momentum, COVID, the end is in sight. What's next? So what's next for me is a lot of hustling, a lot of working, a lot of deadlines, a lot of creativity. And I think just, I think hustling is the, is the main word that comes to mind. You know, it's, it's, it's very exciting to be able to kind of transition into like becoming an artist full time. But the it's a bit of a misnomer because there's very few artists that are actually that this is what they're doing full time. You know, many are like offsetting their their expenses by teaching or by do, doing another job or by you know there's just any number of ways that artists are often need to do different types of work to help make ends meet. Me, I'm taking my experience as a museum educator and as a museum professional, and I plan to do some consulting with other arts institutions as well as other museums. So when it comes to like museums that are thinking about IDEA work, when they're thinking about equity work, when they're thinking about community engagement work, when they're thinking about working with artists, those are the things that I've kind of have a lot of like lived experience with. And so I'm excited to help other institutions do that on, on as a part-time work to help make ends meet while I dedicate uh, more of my time to making art and curating art. I also have, uh, I've had some opportunities come up. I'm going to be curating an exhibition in Ogden. Uh, that's going to be place, taking place in November, in October and November with Ogden Contemporary Art and Weaver. Super excited about that. And I'm, uh, I'm working, I'm talking to other institutions about ways that I, you know, maybe do some artist residencies or fellowships with them. So yeah, so a lot of hustling. I think artists oftentimes have to work twice as hard in other businesses uh, or other institutions, but you know, artists are not a monolith. Businesses, right? You can't just talk about businesses in general. There's emerging starting startups and then there's established businesses. Artists are kind of the same. You know, some of us have been at it for longer and have the experience of like, you know, having a budget and managing our time and, you know, having a, a, a studio that we can go to regularly and focus on our art making and, and things like that. And then there's also a lot of our, our other artists who are just, you know, trying to do everything they can to to show their art, to sell their art, to to get, you know, their foot in the door and get these experience, get this experience and get these opportunities. And I think, and I think I'll just say to that, that, you know, I think it's important there needs to be kind of a shift in thinking in general in the art world to, to help, you know, people think as, to think more to think of artists as more as a business we work just as hard as a business we you know we're, we're we're contributing to the economics of the city and yet we're oftentimes asked to do things for free participate in something for the opportunity and that's in quotation marks so you know so oftentimes we're just not treated as as, as a real business and so i think that's part of the fault of the artist for not like standing up and, and and you know and advocating for payment for the work that we do you know it's it's intellectual creative work it's valuable. It's something that is important that needs to be monetized. And so I would just encourage people in general listening to your podcast to think more about that. I think the Arts Council is doing this. I think Utah Division of Arts and Museums is doing this. I think there is a shift where more arts and culture institutions are, are realizing that we can't just ask artists to do stuff for free. Forgot to mention, as far as what's next, I forgot to mention that on May 21st, I will be having an opening reception for work that I'm creating now for at Modern West Contemporary Art uh, as part of the citywide gallery stroll. So inviting people to that. Well, send me the link, Jorge, and we'll include it as part of the, the description. There's no link yet. It hasn't been made public because right now they're pr promoting other exhibitions, the current exhibitions. But uh, I do know that the gallery reception will be on May 21st. Yeah, when you have a link, if you send it, then I can add it in. Oh, okay, cool. All right. I will do that. Thanks, Jorge. And I'll uh, just thinking about what's next for the YWCA and woke words. Like I think just continuing to nurture and build these programs and making making them established. 
And I think for us, realizing that this is also a community effort, that this work is not just for one person to do on their own. And we've been able to develop partnerships. And we're hoping that as we continue to grow and strengthen our program, that we can continue those partnerships. Uh, for example, we have partnered with Utah Humanities to bring facilitators that are authors and writers to come and share space and do and just like facilitate like writing exercises with the group, which has been really awesome to just have that like personal connection with the person who's written the book really be like just attend that session and really answer questions more intimately, I guess, about their work. And we're also hoping to partner with the Utah Arts Festival as well and are working with them and hopefully we can uh, collaborate with them during the festival and, and doing some some readings and with our community members there. And also, like I mentioned before, uh, the Bountiful Davis Art Center, They, I have my artist in residency here. And when I submitted my proposal to have my art, my art, my, sorry, my residency, I wanted woke words in some capacity to be involved. So our woke words community members are doing an installation that's like a collective dictionary where it's like going to be like an installation piece that's going to be a part of my own exhibition. So that's kind of the direction that we're hoping that woke words, like it can still be at its core, like gathering a designated space for talking about BIPOC authors, writing, but that but it can continue to expand into multiple aspects and mediums within the community. I I um, just want to thank Jorge and Sarah for the work they're doing and just state publicly that the Salt Lake Arts Council is also dedicated to continuing this work and our mission to promote, present, and support artists and arts organizations in order to facilitate the development and expansion of arts and art access and art engagement in Salt Lake. So just uh, thank you. And uh, we're doing the work too, and we can't wait to do it, not only with Jorge and Sarah, but for the other 35 artists and four organizations who were selected to receive these funds. I just wanted to mention for Jorge, he was talking about some artists not being taken seriously as businesses, you know, and sometimes not getting paid and, and things like that. And something, it just brought my mind to something that we can help. And also this SBDC can help is to help artists set up their businesses as an LLC. Some artists are more on the creative side and they're, you know, naturally concerned about that part. However, there's like a business setting up procedure and things like that, that might help artists uh, have their, you know, their business made in a professional way, be able to um, do their taxes in a way they can do deductions and things like that. And that's something that we can help set up. It's not expensive. It's something that's easy, but formalizes the business. And the same with the SBDC, the small business services. That's awesome. Thank you, Claudia. If, uh, if you wouldn't mind maybe including a link in connection with the podcast where, where me and other artists can go and, and, and take advantage of those, of those services. Very helpful. Yes, of course. I can do that as well as the SBDCs. Well, thanks, everybody. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. Sarah, it's great to uh, great to reconnect with you, and, and congratulations on the residency and on your uh, on, on the grants and everything. You're doing great, great things. Oh, thank you so much. I really that means a lot coming from you, and I wish the same for you as well. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Jorge. We really appreciate you taking time to come on, and congratulations on getting the grant. <laughs>